0: Mount Charleston just got a massive dump of snow this week, and while that's great news for the skiers and snowboarders up at Lee Canyon, what's it like for the people who live on Mount Charleston year-round? Today on Citycast Las Vegas, we go back up to the high elevations and revisit an episode with Jimmy Alderson, better known as Mount Charleston Man on the social medias, to give us an insider's POV about dealing with the snow, the wildlife, and even the challenges of getting groceries. It's Thursday, January 25th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Jimmy Alderson, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Oh, happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Our friend up on Mount Charleston, known to some as Mount Charleston Man. Hey, Jimmy, little less than 500 people actually live on Mount Charleston, many of whom are there only part-time, but you're a full-time true... blue mount charlestonian. That's correct. Yeah. Tell me about that. I'm uh, I'm what we call uh, an evergreen.
1: You got your deciduous and your evergreens and the evergreens are here <laughs> all full time all year round. Um are that tree. Exactly. Um <laughs> it's uh it's a nice place to live. There's a lot of hard work involved especially in the winter. And uh you know as you can see today it's some beautiful skies, but uh it's a very small community as you mentioned. It feels a lot like a small town.
0: Sure. Well, where were you living before you chose the mountain? And why did you want to move up to Mount Charleston and not just stay where you were? Well, I was living in Atlanta.
1: And my girlfriend had actually moved up to Mount Charleston because it was cooler up here. Uh, she mm. had a place in Summerlin, but she was renovating it to sell. Uh, and she moved up here for the summer to get some cool air and stuff like that and rent it for a while. And, and so, uh, you know, I came out a few times and, uh, you know, I was raised in a small town. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio. So I know about snow and, and you know, fell in love with the place as well. So sure. uh, we decided to stay.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to fall in love with. I've lived in the valley my whole life in Mount Charleston, and going up there is always a treat. But I can't imagine actually living there year-round. So, Jimmy, let's talk about some of the things that are up there. Um, tell me some of your favorite aspects of mountain life.
1: Some of my favorite aspects of mountain life is, uh, I have to say, the wildlife is probably the first one. The hummingbirds, the chipmunks, mm-hmm. the Stellar's Jays. Uh, the foxes, uh, the, the the wild horses and burros, uh, and
0: and of course my favorite, uh, the mountain lion. Oh, and sometimes they come down and visit us, but it's uh, rarely as welcome, probably as vice versa. Yeah, uh, you know we, we live over here in the
1: Lee Canyon side, so it's it's a little bit more wild. There's no power lines here, there's no cell towers, and it, and so it's it's all off grid here in Lee Canyon, uh, which is a little different from Kyle Canyon. Um, still very much part of Mount Charleston. Yeah. But the uh, the wildlife tend to bring their young around because they feel safe over here. So even though uh, you know we haven't had any interactions with the mountain lion, we, we hear them at night in the summertime sometimes, especially talking to their young and stuff like that. The but there's never been a negative encounter up here with them. So. So the wildlife is is one of the big things about living up here. The other is the air quality, for one. It's really nice up here. Mm. Just the access to the forest, the ability to get out and go hiking. There's a lot of waterfalls to find up in the mountains and and uh, nice places where uh, ancient trees, things of that
0: nature. Do you have a specific, I don't know, let's call it secret spot because it sounds pretty zen there, there would be a place where you go for solace or a favorite trail, anything like that? Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, you know, up above where we live, there's a couple of small secret areas where there's an ancient grove of bristle cones, the kind that you would only see on on top of Lake Mummy Mountain. But actually, it's only at 8,700 feet, so it's uh,
0: just an outcropping, and uh,
1: it's a nice place to go and look around, and it's only about a 30-minute walk from here.
0: Now, do you have... Um... Any favorite stories about life on the mountain? Maybe something that would never happen to us down here in the valley? You know, the very
1: first year we moved in, we were having problems with generators, you know, because we have to run the generators for power. And when we pump water out of the ground, we have to have generators. And, and I was a bit of a greenhorn. And it was the year of 2018-2019. It was a big, big winter for us. Um, and uh, came to a point where the generators, both of them just wouldn't work. So in order to get water to come out of the ground, we needed to have generators. And uh, there's a gentleman who works on the generators and he actually brought one up right before a blizzard. He brought one up on the back of a truck and he had his own forklift with him and he brought it out and he just started digging in the snow to find a place to put it outside. And, uh, you know, he ripped the propane device off of the Connex box where the other generators were and put it to the generator. And, and, and I realized right then what I was going to have to become to be able to live up here full time.
0: So what, what is the community like up there? What are you and your, your fellow hundreds of people uh, like as far as a collective community?
1: So over here in Lee Canyon, there's probably about maybe 20 people who live full time in the whole canyon. When things happen, we communicate w- uh, with each other via text, via phone to let folks know what's going on. But there's, there's a whole lot, as you would expect, a whole lot of bringing uh, baked goods back and forth, especially in the mm-hmm. wintertime, helping each other shovel the driveways when need be and, and, and pulling together whenever there's a problem.
0: Yeah, I bet. But I'm wondering what some of the other challenges are. I mean, you're mentioning a couple of things surrounding weather, so I'm interested in that. But if someone wanted to move up on the mountain on a pretty regular basis, what would it take and what do they need to know? Well, a few things you need to know is
1: that not many places up here have HVAC. Hmm. We don't really have a need for air conditioning. Uh, It doesn't really get that hot up here. Um, And when it does get warm, we open up the windows and we get cross vent. So that's nice. However, in the wintertime, uh, you know, you do need heat, but the vast majority of people up here have wood stoves, and so you need to uh, find a provider of wood, uh, which is tough to come by. Uh, it's not like we all go to the same one, yeah. and most everybody has to kind of find their own connection, if you will, uh, to get that wood that they're looking for to get them through the winter. So that's that's one of the things there uh, that you'd want to know about. The other thing to keep in mind is that um, it's very difficult to live up here full-time in the wintertime if you need to go to a job in the valley all the time every day Mm. uh because Mm. you could end up that's a bitch
0: of a commute (laughs) especially in the winter i'd imagine
1: exactly but you you may wake up and your roads won't get plowed for a day or two and uh, this past winter uh the clark county uh had a lot of problem with their equipment a lot of it broke down uh and so the the folks in kyle canyon had to had to kind of like hold cool the hooves a little bit uh, for a few days mm. until the uh, the plow was able to come through and clear things out. Over here in Lee Canyon, uh, we're all private roads over here, so we have to take care of our own. But coincidentally, our plow broke down at the same time that the Clark County plows broke down. So Uh-oh. it was a it was an issue the entire mountain was dealing with for a few days. So you have to you have to kind of work on nature schedule up here because uh, you know we make plans and nature
0: laughs. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely a codependent situation on, on some level. Um, How much snow, Jimmy, are we talking about? You've been up there almost six years now. What's the worst snowfall uh, inch wise? I think we could relate to that. Have you seen so far?
1: You know, uh this year and I and I, I wish I knew what the inches were I think it was around 245 inches or something like that this year. Um what? yeah, that the ski resort recorded. Now, keep in mind the ski resort starts recording when they open. And we start yeah. getting snow in November, sometimes in October. So, there were a few more inches that were not actually accounted for, but this was probably that this was the heaviest that uh was recorded. That the previous one was in 2018-2019 winter, which was also pretty heavy primarily in Lee Canyon. Uh, but this winter was heavy for the entire Spring Mountain area.
0: Yeah. Well, let let's get a visual on this because uh, you're you're a pretty rugged guy. How how tall do you stand? Uh, six foot six. Okay. So you're a tall guy. You got the full mountain man beard. I'm not trying to stereotype, but it's awesome. Uh, yep. You got an alpine hat. Uh, you are are dressed for mountain success. How high on your form did the snow come up to on on that six foot six of mountain man? So, you know, when the snow falls, you can't
1: just leave it there. You got to get out there and do something about it. So you wait for the snow to get a break in the snow, you get out, you start shoveling. This year, the snow berms uh, that I had to build with my my own two hands uh, were about eight, nine foot. Um, wow! and so, and, and, and that's just from shoveling snow on top of snow that has fallen. Yeah. And, you know, we had snow that came up above the, uh, above the window on the first story. Uh, we had ice that fell off of the back of the roof and broke through, uh, deck planks. Ooh. It was so heavy. Um, so as far as the, the amount that fell, you know, we were constantly moving it. You just,
0: you, and you run out of places to put it. Wow. And I, I think most people realize that I mean, Mount Charleston, which looms over us down here in the city, is often snow-capped. Uh, I mean, golly, Nevada means snow-capped. But, uh, exactly. How far away, for those who don't know, uh, are you from, let's say, the Strip? If you were to drive down into the Mojave uh, Valley where we, we have all of our big, fancy, shiny buildings, how long would that take you? It takes about 50 minutes to an hour to get down there. All right. So less than an hour from the valley, we're talking about burns that are like eight, nine feet tall. Exactly. That's amazing. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist, Steve Kessler from Aroma. All right. I got to, Jimmy, ask you some practical questions. Uh, Number one, where do you go grocery shopping? I mean, do you make giant Costco trips and stock up or how's that go? So, you know, we keep we keep most of the
1: big things in the freezer in the pantry. So we, we we don't have to go down and shop, but typically we will go down about once a week and pick up some fresh produce, mm-hmm. some fresh dairy and that kind of stuff. You know, maybe make a run for paper towels or something like that. But for the most part, especially in the winter, uh, we're prepared to stay here for a week or two weeks or three weeks, you know, as needed.
0: Now that goes the other way too. Getting to you is probably a little bit harder sometimes. And I know that Fire is always a concern up on the mountain. Yeah. Uh, How do you all deal with potential fire issues and the immediacy that you need uh, assistance on that sometimes?
1: So in 2020, we had a big fire up here. The Mahogany Fire is what it was called because that's where it was started at, uh-huh. and it was a uh, it was a very windy day. It was really ominous how windy it was that morning. Uh, we have dirt roads, so the dirt was just blowing down the road, and we could almost kind of feel something was going on. There was like two or three fire calls that same day before the big one hit, and so we learned real quick what we should have. Uh, and we didn't at the time. But you really do need, and I hate to use this phrase, a bug out bag, if you will. Mm. Uh, something that's pr- that, that you're ready to take with you that has important documents. It has what you need to get by. Uh, you know, you're going to get down the mountain as soon as possible and probably go stay in a hotel or something like that in the meantime yeah. if there's a fire going on. And, and that's how you respond to a fire that happens. However, how do you prevent it? Uh, we do something up here every year as a community called the Pine Needle Pickup, uh, where we try to create a defensible space around the homes and the neighborhoods where clearly we have a lot of pine trees yeah. and they drop a lot of pine needles and those things are kindling. Yeah. So we, we, we spend an entire week uh, picking up all the needles we can, putting them into contractor bags, and then the county actually pays to bring up dumpsters just specifically for this. That's one of the things we do every year as a community uh, to ensure that we can prevent forest fires uh, from causing uh, major damage if they happen to come out.
0: So, Jimmy, what does it take to live on Mount Charleston? What does someone who wants to move up there need to know? I'd say that there's two things. Uh, One is the idealism. Uh, hold on to that. The idealism is good. <laughs> yes. It's that's good advice always. Everyone hold on to whatever idealism is left in that uh, mortal coil of yours. Right. Exactly. And hold on to that because it's good and it's and it's what calls you up here. Mm-hmm. But also hold
1: on to realism and reality and understand that living on the mountain um, is not all just wild horses and butterflies. Right. Although there um, are
0: wild horses and butterflies. There are. Okay. <laughs> there's quite a bit of those. Okay. Just making sure they're still there. You know,
1: you, you're going to have to learn how to take care of yourself in a lot of ways yeah. because yeah. there are a lot of vent... It's hard to find vendors to come up here. Um, I talked about the deck that got broken this past winter. I had to fix that myself. Um, you're going to learn how to fix a lot of things yourself. And also the biggest lesson I've learned up here is that, you know, there, there's a lot of variety of people up here. There's there's people who've lived up here all their lives. There's people who, you know, they have extra money and they buy a second home. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Nature doesn't care because when the snow falls, it's the great equalizer. When the roads are full of ice, it's the great equalizer. Um, So make sure you're prepared for whatever you need to be up in here in the middle of winter in the worst possible ways. Four-wheel drive, a truck, big clearance, Mm. um, plenty of wood, plenty of food. If it can go wrong, it will. And you'll be okay after that. You will. But that's probably the biggest lesson is that it doesn't matter how much money you have. You cannot pay your way out of Mother Nature.
0: Well, you bring up money. And I think the conventional wisdom is that it's pretty cost prohibitive, especially now. I mean, if you got in on Mount Charleston 20, 30, 40 years ago, you're living pretty nice now. But if you wanted to get a spot now, uh, it's a little pricey. How expensive is it, Jimmy? to live up there or to find the right place up there? You know, to find the right place, first of all, inventory is always low. There's there's not
1: the kind of inventory up here that there is in the valley. and And they're all over the map. You know, mm-hmm. we got our place, it was around two hundred. Oh wow. Uh the the house next door just went on the market for one point two million. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so that tells you the difference mm-hmm. between these houses. And and they're not cookie cutter. It's not like one house is the exact same as the other. You know, the the house next door that just went on the market for one point two million dollars, it's huge. It's huge. The house cabin we live in is just a common cabin. Uh you know, nothing big thing. So uh I would say if you want to buy up here, buy a lot and then build. Mm. Uh the lots you can get for a lot cheaper than you can for a house that's already been built and people are trying to make money off of it. Uh, you can still get, you can still get a lot for like a hundred grand, uh, or in some places, 80 grand. Um, so that, that would be my recommendation. I would also say, take it easy, you know, take, take the steps. Don't try to do it all at one year. Um, come up here, understand the places, get to know the neighborhoods and also get, get ready to, um, Get ready to deal with high elevation and uh, learning how to acclimate to that.
0: Yeah, even little visits up there, that becomes painfully obvious really quickly. Jimmy, what is the relationship of Mount Charlestonites to Las Vegas? Sure, sure. Well, you know, first of all, we welcome
1: the visitors that come up here and enjoy the forest and the mountain and and the different uh, amenities that are up here, like the ski area. But the one thing that nobody ever likes is someone that comes up and, and leaves a lot of trash. Yeah. Um, and, and there's quite a bit of that, especially in the wintertime. Some of the problems that we have are folks that come up and they just leave trash. Uh, or they, bring, they, they buy sleds in the valley and they come up and those sleds get broken. And you know by the end of the winter, there's, there's a giant pile of broken sleds on the side of the hill in the meadows. Uh, that's not a good look. On the other side, we have a lot of folks that come up as volunteers and try to pick up all that stuff. Nice. So, so I'd say it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag, it's a mixed relationship. Uh, one of the biggest frustrations I think is that in the middle of winter, when you have people that come up in two wheel drive vehicles, you're going to get stuck. Yeah. This mountain eats two wheel drive vehicles. And if people be like, oh, well, I lived in Ohio or Wisconsin and blah, blah, blah. This isn't Ohio or Wisconsin. You know, you don't have the grades uh, there that you have here on the roads. And to give you an idea of the size of this issue, um, SNOR, S-N-O-R-R, which is Southern Nevada Off-Road Recovery um, and Rescue, they pulled out about 284 vehicles just this last winter.
0: Wow! Say Um, that number again.
1: 284 vehicles that they pulled out of the Mount Charleston area just this last winter. Wow. Um, and they're a completely volunteer organization. Now to give you give you an idea, if if you got stuck in front of our in front of our gate uh and you needed to call a tow truck to come get you out in his four-wheel drive, uh the price is going to be around $700. Just that's yeah. going to be what yeah. you pay. And Snore will do it for free. And because of that, they're saints.
0: Yeah. Well, Jimmy aka Mount Charleston man Thank you so much for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And I've appreciated the time. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, hey, go tell a friend. Rate the show too, leave us a review, and you better subscribe to that morning newsletter. Give you all the info you need. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Till then, stay lucky.
1: I can hear the hooves of the wild horses on the rock. I can hear the burrows braying low, but I don't hear a phone and I can't see any
0: clock. And there ain't nary a blade of grass to mow. Jimmy, if there is a uh, Mount Charleston Convention and Visitors Authority, I think they need to tap in you, man. That was beautiful and makes me want to go up there right now.